We are starting a new series called Let Me Ask You a Question, and as Jonathan was mentioning, uh, there's a book that goes along uh, with it, and so what will be happening is on each chapter, I will preach on that chapter, so next week we'll be talking about the question, um, what do you want me to do for you, that Jesus asked. And so I'll, I'll preach a sermon on that, and then you guys will read that chapter and do, there's a devotional for Monday through Friday. And then uh, hopefully, my, our big goal is that you'll join a small group. And as my, Jonathan said, on your connection card on the back of it, just write small group and the nights that you can actually make it, and we'll get you into a group. And if we can't, we'll probably try to make one for you. So... Um, the other thing is, if you have a group of people at work or in your neighborhood or whatever, and you want to lead a group, you can do that as well. You can just uh, contact me and I'll get you everything you need to know on how to lead a small group. It's not really that hard. You're just facilitating and um, we'll get you started. So like I said this morning, we're just uh, doing an intro. This has nothing to do with the book, but it, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the power of questioning. The power of questioning. All the best leaders that I've ever been around allow people to ask them questions. And just because someone is asking you a question, it doesn't mean they're questioning you. <laughs> it makes sense? What happens when you feel questioned or cornered, it usually comes out of an insecurity that you have. Okay, and so questions do a lot of different things. One of the things that happens is questions reveal values. They reveal your values. The questions you ask will reveal your values. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a, a, a kid that plays soccer, and you say, all I want you to do is do your best. All I want you to do is do your best. All I want you to do is do your best. And that is a value you're trying to instill. And then they come back from their game, and the question you ask is, how many goals did you score? <laughs> That's different the question you asked has nothing to do with the value of wanting to teach your kid to do their best. They can see right through that, and they can say, oh, I know what you really value. You really value me scoring goals. And so they reveal your values. Uh, they reinforce your values. So, um, for example, if I, uh, let's say we're in staff meeting, and um, I tell Michelle that, you know, all we care about is that, that we're, we're, just doing, we're just doing something with excellence. That's, that's what we care about. Uh, but then I keep asking, like, how many kids did you have? How many kids did you have? That's, that's reinforcing a different value. And so she, because of that, she would then begin to uh, reinforce her behaviors. And she would think, okay, he's going to, I'm going to behave in a way that I know they're going to ask me that particular question. Questions are very very important, and the questions you ask yourself are very, very important. And I'm, my hope is, by the time we get to the end of this series, you would be comfortable asking yourself questions, meaningful, deep questions that probe your soul. In other words, something to the effect of, why am I fearful? Why am I fearful? Why am I anxious? Why, why do I feel jealous right now? Here's a good one. Why do I rejoice in other people's failures? Hmm? You ever do that? Well, if you, if, yeah, you have. Um, <laughs> reinforce behaviors. But the thing that I think happens, to me at least, 
is it reveals my weaknesses, my insecurities. So we used to have a thing. We can joke about it now because the parking lot's been redone. But ever since I got here, I've been here 14 years. It'll be 15 in November. We talk about the parking lot. Every board meeting, every meeting, everything, the parking lot. We need to redo the parking lot. We need to get the parking lot done. And so it began to become this thing, like the parking lot became this albatross around my neck. And it's come to, the thing about parking lots that you might not have known, they're really expensive to pave, and it's really hard to raise money for that because it doesn't like tug at your heartstrings, okay? And so, so it's just like the parking lot. And so someone would say to me, hey, when are we going to get that parking lot done? And I'd be like, I swear. I, okay, what, what is that? Why did I feel that way? Why did that rise up in me? It revealed a weakness. It revealed an insecurity. If, if I wasn't insecure about it, I'd go, I don't know. Tell me when you got $80,000 and we'll, we'll get it all done, right? But no, no, there was something else. Like, like maybe, maybe I was insecure and it felt like my leadership was being questioned. It reveals insecurities and reveals weaknesses. And my prayer for us, all of us, as we enter into these small groups, that we would begin to get the skill of being comfortable with people asking us questions. That we would be comfortable being surrounded by smart people that question where things are coming from. So what I want to do real quick in the next 15 minutes we have is uh, talk about this guy named Moses. You may have met him, okay? Uh, and, um, and a situation that he got in because... He had to then, I mean, the story of Moses is cool. He goes into Egypt, and, you know, his, his, his staff becomes a snake, and then he picks it up, and it becomes a staff again, and, he, and he's, like, turning stuff into blood, and frogs are coming all over the place, and locusts, and it's really cool, and it's great. And then finally, the people, like, leave Egypt, and it's like, yay, we did it. But now the dude has to lead. Now he has to lead, all right? Okay, so it might be like this oh, you just want to get married, you just want to get married, you just want to get married, and, you, and you, oh, this will, your wedding day's here, and it's beautiful, and then, and then you say the vows, and everybody's throwing stuff, and it's so awesome, and now you're married, and now you have to lead in that marriage. Now, if you're a, if you're a uh, wife, you have to lead whatever the two of you decide you're leading. If, if you're a husband, you're leading whatever you guys decide you're leading. And all of a sudden, now it gets complicated. Because I always put the toothpaste, the, the, the little thing back, the cap back on. And it's not on. And now you got to go. Well, imagine if you have thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that you need to lead. This is where Moses found himself. And he had, his, he wasn't, he, at this point in his ministry or in, in his leading, he didn't have his wife and kids with him. And so they went to his father-in-law, Jethro. And so Jethro decided, I'm going to take the whole family and meet up with Moses. And that's where we find him in Exodus 18.5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And I love the Bible because it's going to remind you that it's Moses' father-in-law like seven times. So I don't know if it was like unclear or whatever. But Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses, sons and wife, uh, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro sent a word to him. I, your father-in-law, Jethro, okay, uh, come to you with your wife and uh, her two sons. And so they meet up and Moses kisses Jethro and it's just like this really warm and special thing and Moses begins to tell him everything that's going on. I mean, it worked. I obeyed and now we're out of Egypt 
And now here we are at the mountain of God. And look at the heart of Jethro. Jethro was delighted. Uh, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel, rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. And so then what happens is uh, Jethro, oh, that's Moses' father-in-law, by the way, just in case you didn't know that, brought a burnt offering and with other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat this meal with Moses' father-in-law, that's Jethro, in the presence of God. So you've got this really sweet, time where they're just celebrating what God had done. And maybe you have a time in your life like that where you're just celebrating, you're celebrating. And then all of a sudden the daily grind, you get a job and you're so excited about the job or you get a promotion and now you're the director over a certain thing. And then what happens is the same thing that happens to Moses. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. This dude would be exhausted. As you could imagine, not only hearing these stories from all the different people of Israel, but then having to judge, to decide between one or the other. And to be able to know the law of God and to be able to parse that. And, and so, uh, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people which I think is really sweet. He was doing it for the people. He said, Dude, great job. Keep up the great work. God picked the right man. What a hard worker. No. We couldn't have left Egypt without you. You're amazing. No. You deserve a promotion. No. What he does is he embarks on something that if you can get comfortable with being surrounded by people who are able to have access into your life to, be give, to ask you questions without being insecure, without being troubled by it, to just go, okay, my, I'm going to open my life up a little bit. I'm just going to answer the question. Here's what he does. He asks this first question. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Now imagine... Your life, if you had someone in your life that you gave access to, to be able to go, why are you doing that? Why, why, why are you doing that? Why, why, why are you getting so angry right now? Why, why, are, you, why are you treating your spouse like that? Why, why, are you, why are you doing this? And see, to answer the question is not, I know it's wrong. That's not the answer to the question. The answer to the question of why are you doing this is not, I know, I should change. That's not the answer. The question is, why? The answer is, because. And whatever you, if it's true, whatever you say after because is going to give you insight into your own soul and give you insight into your own life. Why are you so anxious about your kids' grades? Like, why do you, why do you, why do you, like, why is that the number one thing for you? Because I'm scared, because I can't pay for college, and I want them to get a scholarship. Okay, now we're going somewhere. How come when I bring up retirement, you get all upset, and you start talking about the government and all that, and say, well, because I'm fright, I don't know if I'm going to be able to retire, and it was something I wanted to do my whole life. Okay, 
Now we're getting somewhere. Moses, uh, he asked Moses, why, why are you doing this? And then he goes on, he digs a little deeper. Why are you the only judge? I see all these people, all these wise people, all these men and women who could do it. Why, why, why are you the only judge? That's a great question. So again, just going into my own life, because I just like to tell you all my faults and problems. Um, when I first became pastor here, I, I'd do everything. I'd do everything. I'd set up uh, everything outside. I'd go around. I'd do, I'd, just, I'd do everything. Because, why are you doing this? Because I didn't want to be viewed as a lazy pastor because I knew a lot of lazy pastors. Okay. Now, you know, but you realize that you doing everything arises out of an insecurity that you have, right? So it takes you, because I've had people in my life be, I've given access to, they could ask me these questions, I begin to go, you know what, I think I'm doing all this because I'm insecure and I don't want to be insecure, so let's just stop that. Why are you the only judge? And why do people come to you all day? Like, like, like why have you created a culture of enabling? Right? Maybe in your home. Why, 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 why is it that everything about taking out the trash becomes a passive-aggressive thing that you do? Why, why, why are you creating a, 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 a culture of enabling in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school? Like, why, why are you doing that? So Moses answered him, and we tend to do this too. We tend to, we tend to over-spiritualize our insecurities. Right? Here's what he says. Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Like, ooh, in your face, Jethro. How are you going to do If he texted it to Jethro, this is what it would look like. Because people come to seek my will. Angel face emoji. Right? They need me. They need me to seek God's will. Jethro, I'm, I'm, you don't understand. I'm doing the Lord's work. Right? And Jethro... And I pray that you have people in your life that will not let you over-spiritualize your insecurities and your weaknesses. And you, you, you'll have them be able to go, yeah, I'm not buying that. That's exactly what Jethro does. Look, look what he says. Because I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work, basically. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties. And I inform them of God's decrees. And Moses doesn't, I mean, Jethro doesn't go, uh, oh, okay, wow, forgive me, Moses. That's really spiritual of you. He says, what you are doing is not good. It sounds good, and you can spiritualize it, and I heard God in there, I think, and decrees, and that's always good, right? But he's like, what you're doing is not good. Why? Watch this, watch this. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. You're creating a system. You're creating a culture of enabling and unhealth. And it's going to destroy not only you, Moses, but more importantly, those around you. And as we head into this chapter and into this uh, new series, we get in our small groups to the extent that you can begin to examine your soul and begin to answer these tough questions that we're going to have is is going to bring healing, but not just to you, but to those around you. Imagine at work, if you're not insecure, and people aren't walking on eggshells because they never know when you're going to go off. Man, that just, that's exhausting, right? You can bring healing both to them 
He says, your work is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. You cannot handle it alone. I would say the same thing about your spiritual life. This is why we have small groups. You can't handle your spiritual life alone because you're, oftentimes you're blind to, be, to know what it's like to be on the other side of you. And so we have people who've, who've, who've been in life maybe in different stages, maybe in different areas, maybe in different experiences that we can all learn from one another and go, okay, you know what? I'm gonna listen to that person because I haven't been through that yet. And so what he does is a really brilliant system, uh, J- Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, um, and he says, look, break people up into manageable groups and then train other leaders to be the judge over those groups. Have really good leaders in place that just get stuff handled. In my context, their names are Jonathan and Michelle, right? Just really good leaders that can get stuff handled. And then he goes on and he says, and then when there gets to be something where just you're the only one who can make the decision, then you handle those. But you get a whole bunch of people involved. This is why Jonathan was talking about just being on the setup team. You're like, you know, like setting up tables and chairs, like that's, like that's just no big deal. Like, you know, like how is that important? It's important because then the th- things that can only get done by a pastor are actually getting done by a pastor instead of doing those other things, which are very, very important, right? He says you can't handle it alone. Now, here's, here's the crowning thing. We'll, uh, we'll end after this because this is so hard. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Sometimes we stop here and we go, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, no, I should stop doing everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't do it. And then the next day, you're there all day long with all the people. He listened and then he did. Wouldn't it be fun in your small group if one of the weeks... You read the chapter, and you're doing the devotionals, and you think you might have heard from God in one of those devotionals. And you go to your small group, and you say, look, I'm, I'm not the most spiritual person in the world, and I usually don't talk, but I thought I heard God talk to me in one of these devotionals about this question that we're asking. And somebody in your group says, I had the same thing happen to me. And you begin to work together and you begin to experience healing in your life and it begins to heal not only yourself but those around you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great? But you need to join a small group first. At least you need to get the book. We have plenty on sale in the back. And if you can't afford a book, don't don't worry about it. Just like I said before with our last book thing, just walk by and just like grab it and like put it in your purse. Yeah, just, just, you don't have to worry about it. Right? Or say, John told me I needed to give this to somebody, like something like that. But he listened, and he did everything he said, and their healing came. As the worship band comes up, they're going to they're gonna end with a song, um, but it's going to be a song of dismissal. So they're going to play, and uh, after the blessing, you're free to go. You can sit and listen to the song and sing if you want, but um, we wanted to make sure we got you out uh, norm- normal time. And, uh, and that was our first family Sunday, so it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, it's something Michelle wants to continue to do. She has a passion about um, inviting children into things so that big church doesn't 
become this scary thing, but that they feel comfortable uh, and they should, they should feel comfortable. And so some of them, you know, it, it, some family Sunday might, there might have been some kid kicking the back of your chair and, you know, every time they, you get a chair kick, you just say, praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's really fun. You should try it sometime. Why don't you stand for the blessing? And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go as his family in his love and his joy and in his peace and in his strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.